Welcome to the Catching Out, um, where this definitely isn't the second time we're doing this. Um, uh, I'm, I'm a great host, I, I'll tell you now, um, because I definitely we didn't definitely get through this podcast halfway through and then realised we hadn't get record. Um, oh, your, so... host, your host is spectacular, your producer needs a bit of work. <laughs> oh, man, just like the dreams of being able to like get paid for doing this and then pay a producer to do all the OBS crap, like, oh, that would be the, the goals. Um, Subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Coming soon, TM. Um, no, welcome Six to Catch It Out. Um, if you haven't listened to us before, uh, where have you been? Um, but welcome anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, I am joined by my co-hosts, Zoe and Colm. Um, I'm not going to give them the biggest introduction, but yeah, Zoe plays internationally for Switzerland. Colm used to play internationally for Ireland. Um, and yes, we'll... We'll go, straight, we'll go straight into it. Um, if you haven't seen already, there will be other um, podcast episodes in your timeline. We are covering all of European Dodgeball um, and reviewing it. Um, and it is a slog because there is so much to talk about because it was such a big event. But yeah, let's go straight into it. This is the nice women's well. portion. <laughs> women's portion. Slog. <laughs> oh, yeah, slog. The slog was the right word. Um, women's portion of, uh, of the European Dodgeball. Right, starting again. For our audio listeners, Pool A, Sweden topped out the group undefeated. Second, Czechia. Third, Switzerland. Fourth, Croatia. Fifth, Spain. Um, in Pool B, Austria topped the group undefeated uh, with Netherlands claiming the second quarterfinal spot. Um, and Scotland third and Belgium fourth. In Pool C, England undefeated, uh, undefeated at the top with a three-way tie between Wales, France and Hungary with Wales... Uh, ending up on top uh, to claim that quarterfinal spot with France and Hungary finishing third and fourth respectively. Pool D, Italy with five points um, topping the group. Northern Ireland on four coming second. Uh, Ireland, uh, Republic of Ireland coming third um, with three points and Norway finishing and off at the bottom of that group. So, Pool A, what did we say about Pool A last time? Um, Sweden, good. Um, Croatia, <laughs> improved um switzerland getting there hope for the future um right done yeah no cool yeah um <laughs> so yeah um i mean from my perspective uh sweet like actually i don't i don't know why i'm talking should we go to zoe you you give us the sure. initial thoughts you give us the initial I, thoughts I, like I, you did last time <laughs> i can reuse all of the same jokes um <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah. Um, I think basically the, the crux of this group is that it kind of looked like it should have been a really easy group going into it. But when you look at the final outcomes, Sweden and Czechia coming fourth and fifth, Switzerland coming 10th. And um, I actually can't remember the top of my head where Croatia and Spain came. But those top three, um, despite the fact that there's no like, there's not like a stand uh, like above, head and above everyone else type first place team. Um, the second, like the the other teams in there are all like very, very high quality. So you kind of look at that and the, the fact that like, like Czechia, for example, the second place team in pool A came higher than, um, than the Netherlands and Northern Ireland in the final, final table. So like, there's no one team that was always going to be better than everyone else, but that doesn't mean it was a, an easier group. Um, I think Sweden kind of got off on the wrong foot uh we watched them in the croatia sweden match and croatia were i'm pretty sure up at half time 
um, which was a surprise to everyone. And that's a, a you know, huge kudos to Croatia there. Sweden just looked completely frazzled and just um, weren't playing as a team. They were just kind of lost as to what to do and seemed on the back foot the whole time. Uh, and then that was the only time that happened in the entire tournament. So thank you, Sweden, for getting your shit together before playing Switzerland. I'm really grateful for that. That was really nice of you guys to do that. Um, so yeah, they, they kind of got their act together and Croatia, like, I don't think we should diminish the fact that they, yeah, they beat Spain. They um, played very, very well against Sweden, like I just said. And in general, we're actually like a lot stronger than I think people would have given them credit for before the tournament, uh, myself included. Um, they're just a, a very, very good team. And I think uh, watching that Sweden match, the thing that seemed to get them down was uh, just the length of the games that like Sweden in the second half seemed to have so much more energy in their play and like could move around. They had more subs. They could kind of like keep their momentum up high. Whereas there were moments when like a frame would end and the Croatians just looked knackered on court. Um, so I think that's one of those things where it's like, that's a very easy fix. You know, they've got a year now until the next, um, until world champs and until sort of, you know, all the regional Euros. So if they just, you know, start training frequently for, for dodgeball, then they'll be an incredibly strong team in future events. They've got the tactical side of it down. They've got the actual like ability down as long as they're um, still fresh. So yeah, lots of good things to see there with Croatia. Um, Switzerland, I think what I said last time was basically just that we went down about three sets at the start of every single game. And that's not how you want to be playing in this kind of format. We were lucky that the the games were so long, so we could kind of claw back. But it's uh, that's that kind of sets you up in a difficult headspace for the game. And I think that's that's what Switzerland's going to be looking at. But at the same time, I would say that Swiss team played better than I've ever seen um, a Swiss women's team play. It was you know really good, really fluid dodgeball a lot of the time. It just took three sets to for us to hit the moment where it was becoming fluid. Um, there sort of seems to be like a confidence issue, especially in the Sweden game, where um, I think everyone was just scared. And it, it just kind of, yeah, it's one of those interesting things where I think once you get rid of those little things that are holding on, then then that middle of the table section um, from fourth down to 13th is probably going to be very, very close in the next few Euros. Just like it, it already was pretty close this Euros, but the things that are kind of keeping the people in the lower levels of that table from progressing higher aren't fundamental issues i would say they're not skill issues that are massively different it seems to be just sort of little things that you could very easily tweak over the course of a year um and so it, it will be really interesting for future years i'd imagine it's gonna um the, the table's gonna tighten essentially as it were um and just become really really close in that middle bit so very exciting pool very fun very much enjoyed it thank you everyone <laughs> and, and thank you for coming podcast to and... zoe's head talk <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it was a, definitely an interesting pull to be there and watch. I think uh, what I said last time was that um, that day one impact that Croatia had on all of their um, uh, their groups, uh, whether it was men's, mixed or women's, they came out firing. Um, you know, it was their it was their Euros, their home uh, home Euros. So uh, they really came out to play and surprised a lot of teams. So it's it's not really a surprise that they took on Sweden in the way that they did with the women's and also to get a win um, in your... Uh, I'm not sure if it is their first, but I think their first time as a team at Euros. They, they had a women's team, I think, in 2019, but they didn't last Euros. I don't right, think. okay. But either way, very impressive, uh, really well done. And you can see that they've got some really good leaders uh, on that team um, that really helped, especially... 
given it was the fir- like first Euros, I imagine, for some of those players, um, build the confidence of the team. They really didn't feel like they were um, out of their depths at all. They they took every challenge head on and they uh, they, they full on went for it. Um, and yeah, their wingers were, were incredible to, to watch. They did, they played very well. Um, really good on the running counters and, and punishing uh, game. Uh, yeah, Sweden, you know, fair play. Like, it's uh, going to be interesting to see how they do in the in the coming year. Obviously, everyone got better in the last year, but Sweden did really well last year as well. Uh, they've got better this year, and I think um, they they look like a proper outfit, um, proper tactically set up, um, really looking for taking on each game, one game at a time, even in, when it gets to the knockouts, looking at trying to uh, pick apart their opponents and find that route to, to the win. And it really showed in the in the, the knockout games with how close some of those matches got. Um, really showed how tactically they were there for a lot of those games, um, especially with teams that have been around for for quite a while, like Italy. Um, but yeah, really impressive from them. And then Czechia, I mean, just like absolutely sound. Um, you know, fifth fifth all round for for them. Like yeah, really, really so impressive team. So remember when Czechia ranked this year? It's so much fun. I'm really so, glad yeah. that they. Everyone. What are you? We're five. (laughs) It just means like it makes you sound so impressive that you can just remember what ranking they had until you realize it's because they had it in every single category. It's really easy. (laughs) So nice. So yeah, well well on to them. Um but yeah. Paul B. Unless you had any thoughts, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's there's nothing those eyes are dead. There's nothing Um... behind there. Zoe pretty much added all of my everything I said uh, the first time round into her into her speech. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> first time, and I replied to them the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's you. Oh, like moved off your edge to the point. Added by them, but don't your response to what I said the first time round. So it's all good. It's all. You know, I think the only thing missed out. Um, so you're talking about like uh, Switzerland going three sets down. For me, I, I don't think it was necessarily a mental thing. It looked like more of a slow to adapt to the opposition um and i thought whenever you did adapt you actually played really really well and you showed that there is uh there's definitely a core squad there that has the ability to go higher in the ranks um in future tournaments so yeah it'll be exciting to watch and personally for me i think Czechia played the best actual dodgeball um and it was just unfortunate moments um especially in the sweden game um, that kind of stopped them. And I think if they had come first, I actually would have been really interested to see how they would have done um, like overall. Because I think they probably would have got through the quarterfinalist into the semis. And I think that would have been the big boost that they needed. Because I think yeah. with what happened uh, like in the quarterfinals is why they didn't do as well as they probably would have liked. Because the, the fact that they came fifth showed that there's a there's a strong squad there, a very strong squad there. So be excited to see what happens in the future. Yeah, if I remember that, like, Czechia were up in that game to begin with. Or it was, like, very close up to half-time. In Sweden? Um, against, yeah, yeah, Sweden. It was a really it was It game. was very close the entire entire time. It was, like, um, it was, uh, it's seven all half-time, and then it was, like, 13-11. I was going to say, two sets of difference at the end normally shows that, like, you were close right up until you realised you had to win the next set, and then you lost the next set, and then you pushed to win a final set, and you lost that one. That's, yeah, that's the, the the big set was one of the last two they drew, and that was the big set that secured it yeah. for Sweden, basically. Cool. On to Paul B. Um, 
I mean, oh my god, Oscar came first. Whoa. I, I, okay, like before, before we like go on crazy? and say, how, <laughs> what the hell was that? Have you <laughs> ever watched Hawkeye? That's uh, <laughs> that's from Hawkeye. <laughs> no. Am I the only Marvel nerd here? Okay. Somebody somebody appreciate that reference. That, that's that's like a two year old <laughs> reference though. Like that's that's all about. I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the last Talking time of... Colin was relevant. Um... <laughs> I was relevant? What? <laughs> yeah, two years ago before we started this podcast. Yeah, that was the downfall. <laughs> <to> um... <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> um yeah, so Austria had some really great great teams in their group, Netherlands, Scotland, historically as well. Had to come away with a set difference, which is double any other team's set difference in, in, in apart from Northern Ireland. We ignore Northern Sweden. Ireland. And Sweden. Yeah, okay, I'll shut up. <laughs> that was bad. Austria, Austria, good. Moving on. Nick can't Oh, do no, the Moving recording's on. not working again. Oh, no. We need to start again. I want to say, oh, oh, wait. It's a recording. We're not live. I wonder if I can edit this. But, yeah, no, so... Pull, for the next five years. <laughs> pull B, yeah, Austria. Yeah, just going into Austria. Austria is so good. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Some they did twice as well as any other team, really. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting away with that one. Um, yeah, I'll shut up. Uh, yeah, go on then. Pull B. Pull B. Um, yeah, Austria did well. Scotland, what well, I said the last time we tried to record this, was um, Scotland, historically... I, I really like your use of the word historically there. It's a nice way of lessening the blow it's like oh they they used to be good no they, they were historically very good um they're a good team they've got some really good players the problem with the scotland team is that they have certain players that are incredibly good and that's great because then you use them in mix and you have a very strong mixed team the downside to that is if you do that you tend to have tired players when you get into the women's so it's that that element of like do you want to have a very very well competing women's team or a very well competing mixed team or do you have enough depth within your squad to kind of do both and i don't think scotland had the depth to do both and they weren't willing to sacrifice mix the same way that like italy did or switzerland did where they kind of use it as a development area so instead you had a situation which the best players in scotland were um, tired from their mixed games and were also still playing in like very critical roles on court um, you know, these were their wingers that were knackered from from other games a lot of the time. Um, so that's quite tricky. Uh, I think that that kind of ended up being the sacrifice that they made. I think it's it's fair enough when you make a sacrifice like that to you kind of have to accept that you're probably not going to get out of the groups in the women's game. It would be quite tr- tricky. Some teams obviously manage to, you know, England manages to do it, but you have to have that depth. You have to have a huge rotation uh, available and they just didn't really rotate them. I think even Scottish coaches would, would um, agree with that. I'm sure Ross will let me know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's... Nice, nice. Hi, Ross. Hi, Ross. Um, but yeah, Scotland versus Netherlands, 1810 10 uh, as a scoreline. So, you know, not super far apart, but that's not a super close scoreline either. Um, and I don't think it... I don't think it's surprising, really, to see Scotland not progress through. I think it's surprising... Um, it would have been surprising if they hadn't progressed in any of the groups, but the fact that they didn't progress in women's is is fair enough considering the the gamble that they made. Um, I think it was the correct gamble to make, to be honest. Um, so yeah, and and their overall ranking in the table at the end of the whole tournament kind of agrees with that. They're not are they the worst placed? No, 
island. I was going to say, are they the worst place? I thought you were just going to stop on, are they the worst? (laughs) (laughs) Are they the worst? No. I was like, whoa. Um, I was going to say, are they the worst? That's getting clipped up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think Ireland placed lower than them, didn't they? In the final table. But they're the the third placed, third place team, if you look at like the overall table rankings. Um, You know, it's, it's not as if it's a a massive like shame that they didn't get through and, and it's you know a, a horrible mischance it's uh i think it, it reflects the correct thing at the end of the yeah, day they got some work to do definitely for sure um i feel like we should praise netherlands for you know coming second in that group they still you know still need to do your job to get through i think that scotland netherlands game i think now yes admittedly we are in 20 minute halves now but i'm pretty sure it was still a bigger win this time than than, than last time they met because they were in the same group last time so I think it was a one set or two set win last time not a three set so yeah good to see Netherlands um, growing getting stronger um, yeah and and adding new players that have kit that Zoe wants um, <laughs> um, Zoe's very happy about that <laughs> you know about incredible this. that happened yeah yeah, yeah. There, was, there was a printing error with the the Dutch kit, so they didn't get the names on their backs, but they all wanted the names on for their backs, so they've they just manually put them on. No uh, way. Yeah, that's why they're really small. Because yeah, it's underneath the number, isn't it? It's like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It. It's definitely the wrong way round. I, I did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But they it's really small themselves. <laughs> really small. Really small. <laughs> in general. <laughs> no, you're just really small. <laughs> Five foot seven. (laughs) (laughs) On a half. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Poor C. Yeah. Uh, England being undefeated. uh, We did see that there might be a... We thought there might be some uh, sort of, yeah, like say rock, paper, scissors between England, Wales and France, but ended up being Wales, France and Hungary. Um, On my line, Nick. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the that's gonna happen a lot now that we're re-recording it. Um, <laughs> Sorry, so yeah, we're nearly at where we were before. <laughs> I think we're you know just to avoid some of the comments around what some people might say about Hungary and the you know issues around coaching, but they played really, really well. Yeah, I'm not stealing anyone's line here, am I, Zoe? <laughs> um, word for word, no, go on, Zoe. You you you, you say your point. You know you know the points better than I do. But yeah, go on. Yeah, I think uh, kudos to England, because like we said, we thought that England might be stuck in this weird little loop with Wales and France, and said it, they were clean, they were clear out of it, and they won all their games. Um, I don't think they felt particularly threatened. The The closest match they had was against Hungary, and I think that's huge for Hungary. Hungary were really, really impressive this time around. Um, all of their matches were really, really good. I wouldn't have expected them to do as well as they did. And it, it kind of feels a little bit of an injustice that they came fourth in the, the table, considering that they, they beat Wales 16-4 and they... Um, 16-14. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say 16-4. Damn! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what 
they you know they got eighteen ten. Well, they lost eighteen ten against England, but that's that's an impressive scoreline against England. Um, and, and yeah, I think there was only they, one set in it at halftime as well because England did yeah. exactly what Wales did against Hungary. It's like they didn't learn. Um, yeah, yeah, they definitely put their B team out against Hungary, and Hungary were like, "Yeah, thanks very much. We'll take this on," and we're very much going toe to toe with it. And then at halftime, England were like, "Oh yeah, we should probably actually handle this fucking situation," um, and they did, which you know, fair enough, they did. And Wales couldn't because the, the difference in squad depth between England and Wales is quite significant. Um, so yeah, I that think, that yeah. had a massive all, part to play. All I was going to say on Hungary is just that, like, I think the individual ability on that team is so much higher than we've seen it before. They've improved individually as players really well. Hundred um, percent. I think the thing that's holding them back at the moment is uh, coaching and certain like tactical decisions from the coaching box rather than from the players themselves on court. Um, and I think that's that's something that it would be interesting to see that improve over time. But um, the the actual players themselves, I thought massively improved since previously and that that shows that they've got the potential to go really really far in the tournament um in future events because all you have to do is get uh you know sort of sort out that one little issue and you're suddenly beating wales by even more than a set <laughs> or beating wales in a way that matters <laughs> they beat wales and wales still came second it's like well that just feels that feels a bit harsh doesn't it hungary shouldn't have been yeah. knocked out necessarily, but um that's how it works that's how things happen if you lose against france so. just to just to summarize on why why that happens so um in the edf rules again we've covered this in other podcasts but in edf rules if there is a three-way tie it comes down to the matches and set difference between each team not the set difference necessarily you're seeing on the screen here so uh what that means is usually you get a three-way tie uh or previously you got a three-way tie between the top teams and then new teams were the teams that got the brunt of the force of right set different matter matters um we need to you know beat this team heavily to be able to progress which is not fair on the team that's just come in so um yeah i think it is a much fairer way to do it and a much better way to do it um it does mean in this case that actually it wasn't about the last uh, the new team you know being beat up uh, being beat up on this was very much on lose by the least amount to england but it doesn't didn't really matter which um it came down to you know the wales france and hungary game so yeah i, I think lose a lot <laughs> yeah um but yeah, that Wales, France, and Hungary um, sort of thing. I feel like it because of the way that that goes. It means that, especially on that first day, some teams definitely got the memo of you've got to come out firing because every match matters. You can't have one game to warm up because by the end of the first day, you can very easily see yourself in a hole that you've somehow got to dig yourself out on in the second day. Which, if the fixtures aren't in your favour, you, you you've kind of already dug your grave. Um, which, you know, ironically, France didn't. France were the other way around. They had the opportunity on the second day and they didn't they didn't take it. So, um, yeah, definitely a note to all. First day, focus and, like, don't don't mess around. <laughs> Get your wins where you need them. Make Which Friday easier. Wales. I think Wales may have underestimated Hungary going into that match, but I do think it was more an element of just... Um, yeah, it's the way that you react once you've worked out that they're better than you think they're going to be is is the defining feature there. That like fine enough to be surprised, you can go down by three sets as already discussed and still win a game. Um, but if your reaction to a team being better than you expected them to be or winning more sets than you expected them to is to suddenly just be like, what the fuck are we meant to do? 
Jesus Christ, we're going to lose this match and just kind of freak out a little bit, then you're not going to win the game. Uh, you just have to kind of settle your head and, and push back properly. And I think Wales lost their heads because they really weren't expecting it. And I think there were obviously some like situational elements as well that were impeding that. But regardless, you have to be able to just settle your head and deal with the situation in front of you. You can't argue those things in that moment. You have to argue them later. Um, obviously, yeah, I'm, I massively agree with that. I think certain cards. <laughs> <laughs> moving on um <laughs> i just like to give to give france a bit of credit you know like they just walked into every game and tried to play their their style i felt like they cut they failed to adapt against wales whenever they realized it wasn't working and that that's what cost them there but they went to the hungry game played their game absolutely better than they didn't let anything that happened previously like affect their mindset going into the game like they, they played really really well there and they've shown that i think it's the experience that was lacking and the kind of mentality in the game to go, I'm, this is how I'm going out a lot. What do I need to change? Like that that didn't really show in the game against Wales because it seemed to be the same kind of ways going out on repeat for pretty much every single player that was on court. Um, so if they're able to kind of adapt quicker, you could see them doing quite well in the next tournament, I, I reckon. There's, there's, a, there's a strong like future squad there for sure. I definitely felt I... like it was a bit of a different squad to last year. Like, I, mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like there were some new some I have new no faces, idea. like two, two or three. No, like the core was still there, but I still felt like there was two or three new, it, new people. It wasn't, it wasn't that different to the previous squad, but I think the biggest difference was that people knew how to play them. Is what I said in the predictions before. Yeah, you did. Was that like this? This is a team that we now recognise, and so you can go into that match knowing how they might play because you actually have match footage to watch. And they're not that experienced at the end of the day. So you can be pretty confident going into that match that they've probably not developed a particularly different play style in the last year. Whereas like Wales have been around for donkey's years. And so you can watch last year's footage of some of their matches, but that doesn't mean that's how they're going to play now. They might change up how they're playing against you. Um, whereas France is pretty much stuck in, they know one thing that works for them. They know one style of dodgeball. And if it doesn't work, they're a little bit screwed. The good news is it works a lot, Sign. But, um, they were very glass cannon. Like if you got certain players out on that team, that, yeah. they crumbled and, quickly. And yeah. again, uh, it comes down to experience that partly, where it's you know when you've got mentality issues like that, where you can't really uh, once you start losing them, maybe it's super experience. I say that I did just say that Wales had the same issue against Hungary, and Wales have tons of experience. So, um, but France kind of seemed to occasionally let their heads drop quite badly. I think it was one of the yeah. most noticeable things when when they beat us in the ninth, tenth playoff. They didn't seem to be happy at all like switzerland were cheering even though we just lost the game and france seemed on the border of tears even though they just won a game you know like they just because it's not where they wanted to be they don't want to be in a ninth tenth playoff so they just didn't care um and it's like i mean it sucks that you were in that situation but you know take every game as you get it and and try and play the best you can with your situation and enjoy it as well um and it just kind of seemed a bit like they got frustrated at times and they weren't winning as easily as they did last year essentially is the thing that what had worked before wasn't working for them and that's frustrating when you think that that's when you think that it's your kind of ability that made you win last year it was their ability but it was the fact their ability was unknown that made them win it last year the good news is now that they've had this year i reckon next time around they'll have worked out okay we need to have different strategies and this will have really shown them that you can't just have one strategy you have to go in with a lot of different strategies you have to know how to rotate you have to play kind of the way that austria has always played where you have 
the ability to just switch up constantly on court um, at a minute's notice. And like France at the moment this year didn't have that. But now that they've really been showing that they have to have that, it doesn't matter if they decided before this Euros that they needed to train that. It would have been lovely, but they probably wouldn't have quite got it in their heads because they, they're just used to winning. Whereas now they've had the opportunity of losing quite badly in situations where they expected to do better. Um, and I think that might just kind of show them that it's important to train those elements. Yeah, so your opinion of France is like a Newton's cradle. It just swings one way and then the other, then one way to the other, depending on but the... But I'm way. right. <laughs> and that's the important thing. <laughs> yeah, sure, moving on. Paul D. Um, <laughs> so I guess the one game I want to talk about is Italy versus the Republic of Ireland because what a game that was. Um 16-0 was the final score, and I'm pretty sure it was 12-0 at half-time to the Republic of Ireland. Um, like, there, there are two things about that game that like, completely amazed me. One is that the Republic of Ireland were 12-0 up against Italy at half-time. That was the big like headline. Like, damn, okay, impressive. The, the other side of it is, is how the fuck Italy then came back like without dropping too many sets to get that draw. Like, going in after half-time, knowing that, like, okay, you've dropped 12 sets, you need to go back, you need to come in absolutely swinging, and you have to be near faultless to be able to stand a chance of getting a draw, let alone a win. Um, and they did it. They did what they needed to do, which is incredible. Um, tactically watching it, the difference that I saw between the first half and the second half was the Irish... Um, women's team, their wingers were um, basically free to do whatever they wanted in the first half. A lot of the targeting, the multiple targeting, the single ball targeting was off the wingers and I don't know whether it's just how Ireland play or it was a pre-made decision but they were already like two, three steps up the court against Italy at this point and they have the arms to be able to just, you know, chase them down, hit Italy and know that Italy can't catch them at that point, because Italy are catching insane. Like, if you've not, not watched Italy women's, they catch pretty much everything, whether it's on the body or somewhere over there. They can, like, catch something at arm's length. They are insane players. But when you've got a running counter on you and you're tracking backwards, it makes it that little bit harder that Ireland were able to capitalise it on it and regularly. And it took them to a half time to figure out, huh, we need to start pinning these wingers back so that they can't do that to us so we can keep our players in and we can make the catches and force Ireland to hit them hit them on the um, set plays rather than on, on running counters and that's what made the difference but even then that forces Italy to sit back and wait for Ireland to make the mistakes and then still get all those sets just so impressive like crazy crazy game to watch really really fun to watch that was my yeah well I'd... <laughs> you pretty much you pretty much sums up very well one thing i will say in terms of the irish women is that that's a major improvement compared to the past couple of tournaments for them um, and the new faces they brought in done a really good job and now they just need to build on that as you said you know that they, they find a way that works for them and it's now going right we've now got good chemistry we've got a good core we know what works but now we also know what doesn't what do we need to improve on and add to the arsenal to be able to change our own game to in situations like against italy go right we we have this big lead how do we hold on to it 
they're changing up they're they're adapting to what we've done now how do we just kill this game off and just try and pick off the odd set here or there like that's what they need to do next is being able to see out the games um, and they'll just it'll just be through you know practice and experience um as a squad but at Overall, it is a good start, and they played a lot better than I was initially expecting. Whenever we were doing our preview episode, like if you told me that they were even three or four sets up against Italy at one point, Wait, just uh, hold a second. Are you praising the Irish team? Don't, take... don't, don't do this. Don't do this. <laughs> don't like. Sorry. Okay. Don't be that. Don't be that guy. <laughs> Nick, you said to just hold up, hold up. Oh, my I thought it was the recording, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was leaving the call, mate, if I was Oh, yeah, sorry, guys. Not been recording again. PT, uh... PTSD. Um, <laughs> no, like, there's, there's, a good, there's a good core there. Like, there's still a long way to go, don't get me wrong. Like, and it, it, it showed against Northern Ireland especially. Like, and whenever you're playing against a squad that knows the individual players as well as they would have, um, they 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 got punished for it, um, quite quite badly in the end, to be honest. But if I was the Irish women's team, like I, you you take the positives away, you know what you've got to work on, and you you just have to keep on improving. And if they can bring in a couple of more experienced players as well, like they'll be flying um the next tournament. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and Italy definitely seem to like playing from behind I, I maybe not like but they were good at it uh because they beat northern ireland from doing that they were uh down at half time i believe and they managed to claw it back for a win against them just yeah impre- impressive uh impressive from italy all the way through to be honest um yeah and norway like just want to say norway joining joining the club um from what i saw of them they were still very well structured they knew what they were doing they still had some fundamentals that they were that were there like they had the group call in they were playing you know targeting well and things like that it's just getting the experience of understanding what other teams are doing what works well what what doesn't work um and i'm sure we'll see them uh become very competitive pretty quickly because they had some talent on that team and for sure um that can, can definitely definitely cause some problems in a few more euros time yeah yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do in their regional Euros. I think that'll be a, a real sign of like, once you've had your first Euros out the way and you've worked out, okay, this is what it's like at that level. That's the like high, high level. Um, you kind of go back and you go back to the drawing board and you start actually developing your tactics properly and taking it kind of in a different light to how you did before. And so you tend to see quite a big jump. Um, and I think it's, it'll be useful to have regional Euros before their next major tournament, so World Champs, because then for them, and it's a home home Euros for them as well, um, that means that they can kind of test what they've worked out, what they think might work ahead of world champs. And so that gives them a really good footing going into world champs where like they might get a pretty decent improvement between Euros and world champs just because they'll have the opportunity to develop tactics as well as practice them in a kind of gentler system, which is what regional Euros is. It's a, a nicer way of, it's a nice, easier Euros. <laughs> Still difficult, but... Yeah, but it's not four days long. <laughs> Four days long, and you, are, you don't have all of the horrible nations that will beat you into a pulp if you play them. So 
you only get like one I mean, or two. You definitely do. <laughs> like you do have some of those nations. You, you always get at least one in each yes. region. You're not you're not going to be in a situation where you're playing against England as well as Austria as well as Italy. Like obviously they don't play against all those teams here, but like playing against those same teams, they're not going to have to like play against Italy again, for example. For sure, for sure. Any other thoughts before we move on to? Um, no. No. Cool. Not right now. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll save some of the NI chat for quarters. <laughs> yeah. Hey, looks like nothing nothing wrong happened at all. <laughs> Power of editing. Through the magic of editing, we're back. Um, I'll probably just leave that in just for those. Just be death silence for all the audience listeners. Um, but yeah, that's how you keep retention. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I can't really remember how we went through the predictions for the men's groups, um, but let's try and go through by quarter, uh, quarter final for our video watchers or YouTube watchers. You will see it on the screen uh, what we all predicted left to right. Uh, myself, Zoe, and Colm, um, and then to the right of that, you see what the actual result was in terms of who who got to that position and then who ended up winning so for example in uh the first quarter final um i predicted uh sweden with top group a and netherlands would become second in uh group b and they would play off um and then uh zoe predicted czechia to finish top of group a and so did column um and then in Group B, Scotland to come second from Zoe. I and don't know why I said that. Netherlands <laughs> second. Um, so, yeah, I was the only person who got that right with uh, Sweden versus Netherlands. However, I did get my prediction wrong. I thought Netherlands were going to beat Sweden, but Sweden beat Netherlands. And I was there for that game, and it was an incredible game. It came down to the last 90-second set. Um, it was a fantastic game to watch. It was so nervy. Um like yeah the the adrenaline through all that game was insane and yeah it came down to that 90 second set um and i think sweden were up and i think it finished in a draw i can't remember um or sweden won that set um but i do know it came down to a last second um suicide attempt and whether or not uh the ball was thrown well, not whether the hit was made before or after the the whistle went but it went as the player was in the air it's a heartbreak for Netherlands because they made the hit as well. They made the hit on the Swedish player and just, ah, oh, yeah, absolute drama in a quarterfinal, what we love to see. Um, unless you're Dutch because that's heartbreaking. That was really hard. I'm not going to lie. I, I would just start there. calling like the individual players that lost or... <laughs> <laughs> I know, uh, it, it was, was it, it was, was a very it was a very it was a very very good game and Netherlands adapted against because Sweden were, were changing up their play style. They knew when they to grind out the sets. They knew when to go aggressive. They had both fairly well disciplined in their locker. Um, I thought Netherlands done really well to kind of adapt to the situations. Um, I, I, I do think there was times where they went unnecessarily aggressive and Sweden really punished them for it. And that's probably what cost them in the early sets. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it was a very, very good game to watch. Uh, I would definitely recommend that's one of the games that you have to have to go back and look at. 
Yeah, I definitely feel like Sweden felt a tad more organized for it. Like we were saying before, in terms yeah. of like they have that organization around them now, that team and that squad where they are really looking at games, they're adapting and they're looking, you know, looking ahead at games on how to to best, um, you know, put their team in the best position to win. And it definitely felt like that against uh, the the Netherlands. The Netherlands is so well, like they like to, to, for it to come down to that shows you how talented that team are and how able they are to uh to really surprise everyone and also win the sets that they need to but i think the fact that sweden won that is testament to the organization around them and how well that team reacted to what they were being told to do and how um how focused they were to just get the job done and in that final 90 second set holding on knowing that they needed to 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 win by basically a person Yeah, cool. Right, that's quite final done. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Sweden went through to to the semi final there, and then in the next quarter final, we all predicted England to top Group C, and all predicted Northern Ireland to come second in Group D. Um, I I don't know whether or not people would have been surprised by that prediction, given that Northern Ireland came third in the women's last time. Um, that you know northern ireland comes second in their group to italy i feel like that is a bit of a i wouldn't say a harsh prediction but you know an odd prediction um but we were all right yeah, so, so that it, makes it by definition not harsh <laughs> it yeah. was correct i think it was correct yeah so yeah um yeah yeah it was it was what yeah. i definitely turned for on whenever i was making the prediction of italy and i i thought it was the tightest other than maybe group uh, um, <laughs> I, 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 I love the NI women and how they play. And I think they play, they try to play a very similar style to their men and mixed teams. Like it, it is very much a similar play style across the board. And I think the decision making on the NI women's team is, is incredible. I just think they kind of play into the Italy, like, catching game a bit too much um and that that's that's kind of what it came to in the end i just think the italians are extremely good catchers um and whenever you're like relying on a smart throwing game like that's it's going to be a bit of a downfall um but there's the i i it, i wouldn't have been shocked um if ni beat italy and and would have ended up a very different um, quarterfinal in the end. But and, and to be honest, NI against England, I thought they did very well at the start of the game, especially. And England just adapted very well to the game. And NI couldn't um, change up enough to, to, go, to go back at them. But at the start of the game, I was watching it going, this, this is going to be a struggle. Um Obviously, it wasn't in the end. England, England won quite comfortably, but at the, at the very start, I think, and I like showed how well that their play style can do. They just need to take it up the next level. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, like, the difference between the NI play style and the Italian play style is that I, I think what I said in the predictions episode is I'm, I'm scared of the Italians, whereas I'm not really scared of the NI lot. I feel like I know how they play. Um, whereas with the Italians, I do kind of know how they play, but they always just seem to do something where I'm just like, what, what, how, why did you do that? And why did that work? Like what on earth is going on in your mind? Um, I think that 
that shows when you end up having a game between sort of um, NI and England, for example, where both of those teams know each other. They know how each other play. Um, and you know the fact that I can tell you how I think NI would play in that match shows you that literally anyone in that England squad would be able to do the same. Um, and so when you've got that kind of situation where two teams know each other exceedingly well and know each other's tactics and they play somewhat predictably within those tactics as well, it comes down to one of them just is stronger. Like it's just made up of stronger individuals at the end of the day. They're playing quite similar play styles and England has better players. Um, NI has very good players, to be clear. That's shown by the fact they got nine points, but like England just has categorically better players. They've got far more better players than NI do. I also think in the women's, especially England's game management in terms of substitutions and how they changed up tactics during the game throughout the tournament was definitely a strong suit for them. Yeah, I think like Northern Ireland as well, like given some of their players played for mixed as well, like that shows you how strong those players are with how well the Northern Ireland mixed team did. But yeah, it is that rest of the squad, you need that whole squad to do it. That shows you how strong those players are and also how strong the, the rest of the team are, that they are still performing at that level and you know they are getting through to the quarterfinals almost predictably um, yeah. and, and doing really well at it. But they do need that like extra extra level to be able to you know compete with England and um, I think yeah against Italy as well like it's something it's something about that team um, I don't know if you know more about it Zoe but they the chemistry on that Italian team to like defend each player go up and know exactly what the other person is doing to cover them when they're baiting for a catch and just you know the amount of times you saw people hitting people that were going uh, that you know that had thrown a catch, essentially. You saw it a lot in the England game against Austria in the final yeah. as well. But, um, yeah, that, that Italian team, the way that they play like that is is incredible. And I think, um, yeah, Northern Ireland, yeah, just there's, there's not much you can do about that unless you're also doing that same kind of thing back to them. Um, so, yeah. I think def- on, on that point, like, the reason why Italy have the ability to, to play that kind of game where they're defending each other very, very well is rooted in the fact that they're a catching team. They're an incredibly good set of catchers, which means any one of them isn't scared to put themselves higher up court because regular people would be like, oh, I don't want to put myself high up court because what if I get hit? And Italian woman is like, I can put myself up court because maybe I'll get a catch. And it's just, you can see it because because then they go up and they defend each other really well because they're not putting themselves in danger in their minds in that situation. They're defending each other, but does the other player really need defense and it's like well maybe they do and let's just let's give them that defense just in case they need it but they'll probably also get the catch that they need to get as well so like it just it's a really tricky thing to play against when you've got players that a are very very good catchers but b have utmost confidence in catching and have been coached in a way that allows them to back themselves up on those catches italian women go for catches that you wouldn't expect most people to go for and that's that's a commentary on the way that they've been trained that's you know a lot of teams will coach you out of going for unnecessary catches and I don't really feel as if the Italians have a concept in their women's team of an unnecessary catch um, which is great like it, it leads to some of the most exciting dodgeball you've ever seen it's very different to how some of the other teams so it's play. a blessing and a curse it's, a blessing, it's a, a blessing and a curse and it means sometimes they lose things where you like you really shouldn't be losing that match but other times they are just they they pull things out their asses basically you watch them you're like how the hell did you manage that that's insane you shouldn't have been going for it but my god am i glad you did because that was brilliant yeah it was 
but yeah, we're not they, talking they, they about this. We're not talking <laughs> about this. It was Italy against Northern Ireland. This was England yeah. against Northern Ireland. But that game had a huge impact on yeah. on this one because we were, you know, it was very much in that group dependent between on those two of how it kind of fell out on on whether or not who would be playing England um, in the score final. But yeah, um, I think that about sums it up for that game. Um, on to the next one, which was uh, ended up being Czechia versus Austria, another one I got right, um, where, uh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine not backing Zoe. Um, Jesus Christ, Nick. I do, I do that. I do, I do, I do that. Mine's great. Mine's great. I actually don't actually know who I chose, but um. <laughs> um, you back Sweden to come second. Um, yeah, but yeah. So yeah, um, Czechia versus Austria. I think uh, it's kind of a tough one because I don't think Ch- Czechia could really have expected this to go much better. Um, it's the Austrian women's team. <laughs> like, I don't know how you step on court in a quarterfinal and go, yeah, we're playing the Austria's women's team. This is going to be easy. Like, I don't think anyone can ever think that. Like, yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say. Like, it's just such a nah, tough they're... game. Tough game. I think I think their their heads were their heads were pretty much gone before the first whistle even blew. To be honest. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they were focusing on their next match already by the time they yeah. were in that Austrian match. Like that's how I would approach it. I'd be like, let's let's see how we can do. Let's let's play. Let's see how the first like three or four sets go. Because you never know. Maybe we'll just play something silly and we'll happen to do really well, which is pretty much what happened with Switzerland against um England in the men's course finals last year, where they went into that game, they're like, Well, we're gonna get absolutely shot on, so let's see what happens. And then they and then they didn't. And that was really surprising. So, like, obviously, if you go up early, absolutely play that game seriously. But I think otherwise it's fair game to just go into that one and be like, let's see what we can do. Let's let's practice playing as a good team, as a team together. Um, and let's learn what we can from, frankly, some of the best dodgeballers in the world. Um, and uh, focus on our next game. because and, was- and remind them that they can't do uh, starts properly. Yes, <laughs> that was funny. Uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Ten out of said comedy. Um, yeah, I think I think that was like quite late on in the match when they knew the match was completely gone. Oh but, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, just yeah. Would it be ballsy to do that as your first set? <laughs> <laughs> the biggest mental game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I, like I feel like Czechia would could do something like that. Like I feel I feel like tomorrow would be like why not like. <laughs> <laughs> why not? <laughs> like, why, why not? You know. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a, a tough loss for for Czechia in that one. But um, I mean, the, ne- the the last quarter final was again another ridiculously close one. Another fifteen thirteen. Did, did you predict this one correctly, Nick? Did you did you get this one correct? Yeah, Nick, let's talk about. I, well, you... I, pre- I predicted I predicted the winner. Yeah. Uh, I predicted the winner of this you didn't uh, game. Predict who was going to be playing, though, did you? I didn't. I refused to listen to Zoe uh, because <laughs> Zoe knows all things about French dodgeball. All hail the great <laughs> nerd of French dodgeball, Zoe Wells. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, Wales against Italy. <clears throat> yeah, Wales against Italy, uh, which only Zoe got the prediction right of uh, Wales playing Italy. I mean, to be fair, you're you're taking the piss out of me. Colin fucking back to way, uh, France to win that game as well. So <laughs> at least at least we knew how good the Italians were. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 
That was a good. Oh, match, you're but... you're not taking yourself out of this whole bit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Oh. Oh. It oh, didn't record. Oh, no. <laughs> Goes and changes his predictions. <laughs> Wait, be right delays, back. Delays, delays the preview, Lord. <laughs> um, I'll be honest. I didn't get to see this game, and I haven't been able to watch it back. So I'm gonna have to Great. take advice well, on. Guys, let's move on. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> GG's Wales. F's in chat. Um... <laughs> we love you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've already talked everyone's ear off about how fantastic the Italian women are, so I don't think we need to go over that one again. But ultimately, when you look at this match, it comes down to two teams that are very, very good at catching, playing against each other. But Italy, I would say, have the upper hand in catching, whereas Wales probably have the upper hand in throwing. And so with a game like that, it could genuinely go either way. It depends on what catches happen to happen. Um, and a scoreline that close kind of demonstrates that. It, it just comes down to like pure random chance sometimes. Um, and fair play to Italy for managing to, to get it, get through there. I think Wales um, were glad to make it out of the groups and weren't expecting to make it out of the groups considering their performance in the groups. Um, and so would have been pretty pleased with that performance against Italy. Um, but ultimately, Italy is just a very, very good and very hard team to... It's, it's hard to coach against Italy. It's very hard to know what they're going to do. So I think fair, fair play to Wales for keeping it that close. But, um, you know, massive game for Italy to win. I did not expect Wales to make that game that close. Like, considering how... Yeah. I, I say considering how the group stages went. Like, they underestimated Hungary and weren't able to climb out of the hole that they dug themselves. But they did really well against France. And they did really well against England. Um, so maybe we should have seen them doing well. Wales. <laughs> yeah, I I just fair. yeah wasn't expecting them to do that well against this Italy side. So fair play for, to them for um, you know really making a, a game of it and making it close all the way to the end because I'm pretty sure it came down to like the last set or, or so. Um, it wasn't a wasn't a case that Italy had comfortably won that game. I don't think. I think yeah, it's that reliability issue that Wales kind of has in all of their teams. I would say where it, it's very hard to say how they're going to do in any match because they can pull out some incredible stuff and then they can also just absolutely trip over themselves. Um, and it, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see how the coaches manage that going forward because I think it was very very obvious this time around, um, and that comes out of the fact that you're playing against teams that have been getting consistently better over time, and Wales have had certain players get better. And I'd say as a whole, their players are better than they, they have been in some previous years. But their tactics and their team playing ability, I wouldn't say is better than it has been previously. I'd say it's pretty much the same as it always has been, which isn't bad, but it isn't like amazing either. Sometimes you watch them and you're like, you're just playing an individual game right now. Um, and so I think that's that's one of those elements where if you're playing more of an individual game or you've got six players playing six different tactical games on court, you can have a reliability issue because it comes down to whether or not individual players are playing well on the day. Um, which always, always dodgeball is going to come down to that somewhat. Like, <laughs> of course, player performance impacts the game. That's a dumb thing to accidentally dodge. But um, the level, the level that it impacts... smart. God, talk to <laughs> coaching analysis right here. That guy from Drive to Spive who's like, if you win, if you finish the race first, you win. And you're like, yeah, don't <laughs> Um, no, obviously, like, player, player performance impacts things, but, like, if you're playing six individuals on court, then it impacts things more than it would uh, if you than if you were just playing, like, six team players. Um, so I think that's probably an area that Wales want to look into, but at the same time, kudos to them for managing to, to make, you know, a pretty big 
chunk of damage against Italy in that game because nearly make the semis. Huh? And nearly make yeah. the semis. Yeah, no, that would have been huge for them. Almost getting knocked out in the groups, and then if they'd made it to the semis, that would have been an incredible story. But not actually what happened. So, so we don't have a story. Moving on. Um, well, done. <laughs> well done for nearly being interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is way too. That's way too harsh. I'm gonna get ripped to shreds at league. Um, <laughs> Deserving for that. Um, Give me shit about what I've said. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're here for, right? That's why people listen to us for like ridiculously hot takes that are so wrong, <laughs> and then roasting us later for it. Other than That's Zoe, because Zoe's always right. Um, no, I'm, but... I'm clearly not. Look at this fucking take. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was, yeah, I was gonna look up like who was the most accurate in the in the women's, but I can't find it at the moment. Um. But yeah, so semi-finals, uh, we, none of us predicted Sweden to get through to this uh, round, but very deservedly so. Um, what absolutely shocked me, that I've only just realised, is the symmetry of England beating Sweden 21-7 and Austria beating Italy 21-7. Um, if that well, didn't set up the, the final and the, um, the third-place playoff, to be as hot a game as games as they were, like how close they both were, um, we probably should have seen it coming, having seen these results. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> leave that one on a cliffhanger. Um, yeah, because like, you know, we, we know we know England are, <laughs> are insanely good. We, we know Austria are insanely good as well, but um, I, I, guess we, I guess with women's, like, prefacing this before this i always thought like austria were a level above the rest then you have england and then there's a bit of a cliff and then sort of like everyone else together i think like northern ireland are in that amalgamation italy are probably at the top of that group quite because they're quite consistently up there now um but i still thought austria were like significantly higher so you know with how england handled sweden i think this shows how far england have come in this year to go into this competition and handle their business in the way they did learning from the mistakes they did against Hungary to be like right we need to sort this out and sort it out quick and they did and they sorted out the game in a, in a very fine manner um, to then go into the, the playoffs and being able to adjust not on the fly but know who they're playing against know the type of styles they're going to be playing against and being able to play well enough against it to, to get quite a comfortable scoreline in, in both their quarterfinal and semi yeah, I think it's what Colin was saying before, where like England just seemed to be very adaptable this year in a way that maybe we haven't necessarily seen them be in the past. Um, and I think that's that's always the criticism that we've held against England is that they they sometimes fail to adapt in front of them, or not even necessarily fail to adapt, but they're slower to adapt um, and just take like two sets to get into it. Whereas Austria have historically only taken one set to get into each new style of play. Um, I think looking at the the team this year, that seems to be something that. Um, the coaches really instilled in them that they had to become more adaptable players and that if, not necessarily, necessarily being adaptable players but also they had to be ready to come on from the out box and be fresh and ready when they step on court they can't have a warm up set they just have to be primed and playing fantastically from the moment they step on um, and I think that that really showed in their playing this year compared to previous years that they just seem to be um, they seem to have like reached that level that, that has kind of eluded them in the past, um, and it was never it never eluded them because of their individual playing capabilities. They're all very good players, and they've always been. England's always had very good players, 
but it's just that element of like training certain things and training certain game styles and certain game techniques um that that clearly they stepped up on in training and yeah they, they just seem to be yeah a step above everyone else this year other than austria where they were the tiniest 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 step above and austria are great so yeah <laughs> uh, yeah we'll, we'll get on to that game in a minute um yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about the Austria Italy game, other than their warm up routine together was absolutely incredible, and I think all teams should do that together because um, <laughs> that was so so funny. Just walking in, being like, "Oh yeah, I need to take photos of the, this this game," and just see everyone dancing to Cotton Eye Joe was quite a, like a weird <laughs> scenario to, to to walk in on. Um, no, they were just like in a big circle, like doing a full on dance routine to it. And that, you know, this was it was Italy and Austria, and this was their warm up time. And instead of like throwing dodgeballs at each other, warming up, talking about tactics, how they're going to uh, do the game, um, you know, they just decided to dance, which you know, fair enough. Um, <laughs> interesting warm up. Uh, but, is, no. that, is that going to replace like you know the Swedish uh, the flute song that yeah. they always do? Yeah. Is, that, is that the is that the new replacement for it? <laughs> Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. But um, no, it was good. It was good to see, and they definitely, um, you know, very very. I want. I wouldn't say a friendly game because it was very competitive, uh, but you can see they both have like utmost respect for each other and how they play, and um, it was just yeah. Good, really, really fun game to watch. Um, even if Austria did come up quite on top, quite comfortably, you can really see where Italy are and and how far like left they've got to go. It's a lot smaller than I think a lot of people thought before the beginning of the year. Um, I think that gap is closing between Eng- England, Austria, and Austria to the rest of the people, especially between Italy. Um, I think Sweden still have a bit to go, but um, yeah, we'll. We'll see that one. We'll be watching that very closely at Worlds, I reckon. It'll be interesting to see how that happens and plays out. And the finals. Sorry, Ashley, can we do the third, fourth playoff before we do the finals? I was going to go to the finals because then we've got the placement and then we can go to the third, fourth Ah, and the placement. That was my thought. Um, Yeah, so the final, uh, the crazy game that was. um, Madness. Absolutely crazy. Oh, at least, yeah, a couple of sets were. Um, so here's my hot take, and um, you can shoot me down for it if you, if you think. Can't wait. Go on, go on. I go still on think Austria are the best women's team in Europe. And I say that because I think in this game, England were incredibly good. Um, but I just feel like Austria's teamwork let them down on the day. And I think England played incredibly well on the day. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think their tactics were perfect. They really singled out certain players to leave them into last um, and really made sure that um, there was a hell of a hole to try and climb out on. Um, but I think a lot of a lot of the mistakes that Austria made were self-made at times. And they really you know, dug themselves into some holes, especially that set where Alice absolutely went on fire with her catching. Um like, that never should have happened. That that is never, never Austria should, should never allow that to have happened. Like yeah. incredible that Alice amazing from Alice. Made it. Like absolutely oh, insane. That's like, 
Like that ability on, on to do rail. that. Um, but like that, she she'll hold on to that moment for the rest of like her fucking life. Like she'll be 100%. showing grandchildren that shit. <laughs> like it was it was incredible. It was incredible, but it never should have happened. Yep. It never should have happened. It made because, Austria, like, like it it showed it showed Austria's weakness. Right? It's Austria have this mindset of we kill every set we or go bombard them, and ninety nine percent of the time it has worked a dream. And I think England. Although in that in that one instance, right, it is an individual moment of ma- magic. But if you look at it back, even if they make the hit on Alice, they get they're immediately out anyway. Yeah. And all they've done is just keep, they're, they're continually sacrificed players for it. They need to learn when to just kill a kill a game or kill a um, a player, right? Yeah. Just reset, take 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 them with ball possession and go back at them. Like what England did was. They allowed them to be aggressive and punish them for it, whereas most other teams don't do that. The survivability from England in that game was incredible. Like um, Alice in particular, um, and Abby, Abby as well, um, and did this both women's and mixed. Just survived pretty much everything. Like it was, it was really good to watch, and that is something England women lacked previously in the games against Austria. Was that they were going out to easy singles. Like they were trying to pick up catches where they weren't needed, and they were getting punished for it. This time they were like, "Right, okay, we will take ball possession and we'll catch them out, and I, I mean, get them off court, whatever." Um, and they played a much smarter game and punished that aggressive style of play, which is something that whenever we were t- talking about in the preview, I said if they kind of play the way that Derby can play, but with the better individual players, this could work. And it did. <laughs> they put it. They punished that overly aggressive play. And all us you have to do now, if uh, you know, to take it back, is learn when to just go. No, we'll we'll back off. We'll take our ball possession. We'll go back at them with the singles that we know work really, really well. Yeah, I think you could see that derby play style come through on, especially on some sets where some of the ball placement were when it was like one person left, and you were seeing, you know, balls going into the back of the net and. I mean, yeah, the uh, borderline um, invalids from both teams were quite impressive. Um, throughout the entire tournament, I will, through, I will throughout like that. Throughout the tournament, <laughs> yeah, it was... Um, <laughs> Obviously, I'm watching from the live stream, so like it's a bit difficult to, to tell the, the valids and invalids, but there was a few of them there just sitting there going, and you can see like a few of the referees go, hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nah, there, was, there was definitely some borderline ones I thought were a bit uh, a bit scary that they were, they were allowed... Um, to be fair, they were fairly consistent with it, um, yeah. at least. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was definitely a bit dodgy. <laughs> I think there was a moment while, because um, I was doing photography on that game, there were quite a lot of us doing photography on that game. Um, the finals <laughs> in general, we were swarming. Everyone was everywhere. Um, they just wanted like courtside seats, didn't they? <laughs> England as well, having being in the final means they've got their own media team there as well. So there were just so many people that were swarming around. Um, I can't remember for the life of me who it was I was talking to on the court side while doing the photos, but um, just very early on in the match, whoever it was just turned to me and was like, do Austria look scared to you? And I looked over at them and looked at them doing their lineup and I was like, yeah. And I don't think I've ever seen that in their face. I don't think I've ever seen some of those players have the exact facial expression they had in that moment where I was just like, oh my God, you are actually capable of being nervous. Like, fucking hell, I've never seen you guys look shaken. And it wasn't late on in the game, it was relatively early. And I was just like, huh, 
that's not normal for Austria. Something's gone wrong in their heads. And I think that's like, I don't necessarily agree with you, Nick, in the sense of like Austria is still the best team because like ultimately, well, they didn't win Euros, did they? I get, I, I get his point. I'll be I get your point. Prefer. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think the extent that I would agree to it with is that I, I don't think that that was... Um, I don't think it was like the best that England could play against the best that Austria could play and England coming out on top. I think it was England playing incredibly, incredibly well and Austria getting very shaken uncharacteristically. And because it's so out of character, they just seem to not know how to deal with it. Um, which again, we've never really seen Austria not know how to deal with something. Normally they just rotate through every different tactic they've got and eventually they fall on one that works and they stick with that. Um, whereas here they just kind of it felt like they were slow to adapt their game, which is completely the opposite to what Austria normally do. And when they did adapt it, it just didn't work. And then they would get stuck in that style for a bit too long. And it just kind of, they played very well, but it it felt uncharacteristic for Austria. And fair play to them for keeping it such a close game despite that. Yeah, but 100%. Austria, Austria looked nervous. England did not look nervous throughout that entire game. Even near the end, they didn't look that nervous on the sidelines, I would say. Um, no, they, I, would, I would very much agree with that. Yep, yeah, no, definitely. I think I'd... watching Austria through the groups as well, they had a much heavier rotation of their players than England did. And I think that's what probably had the influence on the nerves. And I think, you know, we were talking about this before in the previews episode, sorry, but what's going to be Austria? That was the question. And, you know, you settled on, and I think we all settled on time. And I think what Austria are currently trying to do is fight that battle with time by getting those rotation with the players in now in the group stages and then you know still have the elite level players that they do to go through the quarterfinals the semi-finals and hope that's enough to blood them to get them ready for a final against England and I just don't think it was the case this time they absolutely handled Italy they absolutely handled Czechia but then you come against England and you've not really had enough diverse gameplay in those two games to to really test you on how you need to play when you come against a squad like England and mm. and you need to to get ready. I think England were just more game ready um, than Austria in this scenario. That's yeah. why I say, I, I think as a team, as a squad, I still personally, the hot take is that Austria are better than England, but I think England handled this much better and I am not taking anything away from the fact that they are champions. They are European champions and they have fully earned that. Um, and they, yeah, you know, they, were, they were the best. Fully, fully, fully deserved. Um, and because, like, I think this is the difference to say between Italy and England and Austria, right? Is that that scene with Alice, like, Matt does the analysis on it where it's like, it's ridiculous that Alice made those catches. But every single one of those catches she made, England hit out the player straight away as soon as they, they threw. Like, every player was out from being caught and hit. They were out twice, every single one of them. Whereas like Italy, you can see they have the ability to do one or the other, but to double down like England did on, you know, if Austria make a mistake like that, where Austria going up and countering, well, that's what they're doing is they're making sure that they're, they're covering and they just overcommitted and England brutally punished like four or five of their players in like 20 seconds. Um, that, you know, that's the level that England were playing at and it was incredible. I will say I am so excited to see Alex Such's documentary. I think like when England didn't win the other like finals or semi-finals and, and this was the last chance that he had to not end up throwing out two years worth of work and it finally paid off. I was like, to be fair, you couldn't have asked for a better narrative. 
this is a perfect perfect ending to that and when he finishes that project that's going to be such a great thing to watch back um and just really yeah yeah no pressure alex (laughs) no no pressure on alex like you know you've got to you've got to deliver now now there there are people waiting you know um i think he sent me a message the other day that mentioned oscars in it so that's uh i don't think he's feeling the pressure yeah he's at the bar low at least yeah yeah Gone. Uh, the one, one, the one fun thing I want to point out is, um, I we so us were messaging during that final, and at the start of it, I said they need to get Alice on as soon as possible because <laughs> I was like, that is the big thing that they're missing. And then she came on and done that, and I just want to say I, I called it. I, that's <laughs> <laughs> I told her she was going to be the game changer. Yeah, no, it was. It was yeah, it was an impressive game. Yep, it was very, very much so. Yeah. It's probably one of the best games of Dodgeball I've ever seen. That and the Mixed Final were just fantastic games. I think all of them were, to be honest, in different ways. Like yeah. even even the set like that Northern Ireland England semi final. Like this was this was a tactical, like a really tactical game. You could see that from the start with the way that England were targeting certain players, the way that Austria wanted to play, and then they fumbled on their own ability at times. You know, it was really down to that tactical play. Whereas like. And as such, it was quite nervy in a way. Like no team really got ahead, no no team really slipped behind because they were both making mistakes. They were both tactically uh, able to counter the opposition. Um, and then you've got Northern Ireland that say, right, the first three sets we're just going to two ball you all the time, and you're going out. And they just did it. Completely different style of play, but incredible to watch. Like absolutely incredible. Like yeah, some of the some of these matches just an, honestly. Dodgeball wise, some of the stuff we saw at this Euros was an absolute treat. But yeah, shall we go on to the, the women's results or placings? Yes. There we go. So, do we want to start with that third, fourth game? Oh my god. <laughs> it was so it's good. It was oh. so good. It was just, oh, that's, yeah, that again, up there with like some of the best games from Dodgeball ever, but obviously from, from this year, it's like that Italy-Sweden game. So like tense, like, one of the closest games you could possibly have other than what happened in Mix. Um, but like just Italy versus Sweden, amazing, amazing game. Um, it didn't come down to, so, you know, it wasn't sudden death, was it? It was an overtime set. Yeah, yeah. no, it was a, yeah, sorry, it was an overtime set. Yeah, not, not sudden yeah, death of an overtime set. Yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah. So um, ridiculously close game and so good to see a new team up there doing that. Um, like it's Italy's always kind of been up there in the sort of top four kind of area uh, and Northern Ireland's normally up there. It's interesting to see Sweden just make that jump up into the, the sort of top four area and really compete for a place on the podium. Um, massive, massive, massive for them. And like, I don't remember exactly what I said in the, preview episode but i'm pretty sure i wasn't singing sweden's praises because i didn't necessarily have a particularly high opinion of them um i didn't even predict them to get out of the groups so you know when we say that i'm good at predictions i'm clearly absolute crap at predictions but um massive kudos to, to sweden for that because it's just it that that final that sorry not final third fourth playoff could have gone either way um and uh the fact that it could have gone either way is is huge for sweden that's amazing news for them Yeah, it was um, 
that the, the way that ended i it's it's one for the dodgeball nerds on the why that finale was so tense um i was like as we were getting ready for the last couple of episodes i was talking to colin i was re-watching it and he had to deal with me re-watch it about 10 times to understand what the hell had happened um because it's just so it's so crazy it comes down to a leap of faith attempt uh, by sweden to hit a, a retreating italian player who then line faults and from the video i can't tell whether or not that player gets hit but as the ball is released and the ball is in the air the italian player retreating line faults and is out and the rules in um, edf is that if you if you hit a player out um while doing a leap of faith then you are still alive as long as the ball, uh, the player is out by the time you land, I believe, right? So you have to hit the player before you land. And um, yeah, it was a case of was this player out and, and hit? And that's what as they were trying to decide. Sorry. Just to correct your phrasing that it's as long as you've released the ball and the ball then goes on to make a successful hit against a okay. player and you hit the ball before you land. So it's not that the ball has to have hit the target before you land. It's that the ball has to have left your hand before you land. Cool. Okay, yeah. Meant the other thing, which would have been, I mean, we're talking about fractions of seconds here. But yes, yeah, yeah. Especially in like the women's game, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of players do land before the ball hits their target. Yeah, but either way, like these, the, those fractions of seconds is exactly what made the referees talk for so long about what on earth happened, and that needed to be a hit, and that suiciding player or the leap of faith player not to be out for for Sweden to drag it into a. Um, last player, uh, sorry, an overtime set, which they did. They did successfully manage to do, and then Italy went on to, you know, win that final. Set. Like, just the drama of it all was incredible. The tension of sitting there waiting for the referees for the decision, not knowing fully what happened, um, mm. was just yeah. It was really great. Really, really, wow. <laughs> kind of speechless kind of game. In some ways, it's good that Italy went on to win uh, the overtime set because I think if they hadn't, then that would have put a lot more pressure on that refereeing decision. Um, and that's, I would say, pretty controversial refereeing decision because it's it's not entirely clear. But ultimately, like referees sometimes get things right, sometimes get things wrong, and you have to go with what they say on the day. But when it comes down to something like that, where it's such an important game and it's genuinely like a medal qualifying match, then like it it is puts a lot of pressure on that decision to be the right decision. So the fact that Italy won regardless of it is good in that context um but yeah it's a it's very very close game and and I mean already like Sweden getting a player out from a leaf of faith I find it amazing whenever you don't see leaf of faith that much in the women's game it's not as common um so to have that happen is actually kind of incredible in itself um and and kudos to Sweden if they can really get that down that's a terrifying quality to have as a team because like you don't really see England and Austria doing leaps of faith no, I mean, yeah, the the fact that it happened in two Sweden knockout games as well, and that's what decided what happened in the outcome of that game is is kind of ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I, I I do appreciate the point about the refereeing thing because it's tough being a referee, and when you you know you you feel like you try and make as many uh, you know correct accurate decisions as you can during the uh, the matches, and this is probably one of the only times I've ever seen a game where if you were one of the teams that were on the receiving end of that and things didn't work out, you can't go back and go, well, if we'd done this, if we'd done that in earlier sets, because 
this game was so back and forth. And yeah, you know, if they'd won other sets, then they would have won dominantly. But this was, you know, two teams very much at each other's level, really playing against each other. And if a decision like that would have made not a difference to the outcome, but just, you know, um, felt like, uh, you know, Italy potentially let themselves down because of that refereeing decision, then that would have been, you know, really tough. But just, yeah, incredible game. Um, definitely want to go watch. I mean, you, you should be having quite a long shopping list if you're listening to this and all the games you need to go watch now. Go hit that subscribe button on the EDF channel because uh, um, that's the European Dodgeball Federation channel, by the way, if you didn't know what EDF stands for. Um, but yeah, go get, go give that subscribe because there are many games you're going to want to go watch. Because uh, there's a YouTube page that actually exists now as opposed to the first two weeks after Euro. Yeah, and there are also some really good um, podcasts on there as well where they interview some uh, players. Um, it, especially, uh, you know, we interviewed... Uh, two players, uh, one from Sweden, one from Italy, and we discussed this game um, in quite a bit of detail and the other games that were going on and just how those players, the teams, felt in those scenarios and managed the situation of staying that close in all those games, like Italy having such a close quarterfinal, Sweden having such a close quarterfinal, and then to regather after you know quite a quite a harsh semi-final to then have to play each other that you know take. It takes a lot. And, um, yeah, it was really interesting to hear from them about what, what they were saying about what their coaches were doing and their advice on the day. But yeah, back to the Catching Out podcast. Um, any other games that, um, or playoffs that you really want to discuss? Because I feel like the one for me was France being down at 9 and 10. I know we saw, um, you know, it's kind of like a, a bit of a tough one for France. They came as well as they could considering they didn't get into the quarterfinals um which is a bit tough it feels so weird i keep forgetting when i look at these that the band from eighth to below is because people haven't made the quarterfinals and that cutoff is such a brutal cutoff yeah i think that's that's what i was saying before where it's that tricky thing where um that fourth to 13th place grouping i would say sorry island um <laughs> feels really harsh. I have to put the number somewhere, but the the fourth to thirteenth area, I wouldn't necessarily say like Scotland versus Sweden that you'd put money on Scotland winning that match, but I wouldn't necessarily put money on Sweden winning the match. Um, I think it's it sort of becomes a lot less predictable than than if you're looking at the top three or even top two against anyone in that midfield, and it's a very expansive midfield. Like normally when we talk about midfields in in leagues and stuff, then it's sort of like oh you've got your top four and then you've got your midfield of about six teams and then you've got your lower level teams it's like no this is this is most of the table is within arm's reach of each other um like hungary if we'd seen hungary play against northern ireland what would we have seen like there's so many interesting matchups that could have happened within that set that don't really look like they could be close based on the numerical value that we've given to each team but actually could have been incredibly close um so yeah it's a uh, Maybe fourth to eleventh. I don't know. It's it's tricky. I would I would say fourth to eleventh. That's where I draw the line personally. Definitely incredibly close. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can I could I could see Hungary being Sweden. And I could see being Hungary. I don't see Scotland yeah. being Sweden. Not with how they played. Sweden. No, no. But, but yeah, I do also want to point else. out that Ireland were twelve nil up against the third place team. Like yeah. <laughs> I do also want to point out. Give a bit of credit. They, I do also want to point out they drew that game. Um, yeah. 
So, yeah. that's, so yeah, they drew right. with third place. There's a lot of teams that didn't draw against Italy, mate. <laughs> that's, that, that, that is fair. That is fair. Categorically, nobody else drew against Italy. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair, fair enough. I'll take that point. It's, it's a really tough midfield area where it's very, very close, and that's good. That's what you want to see for the development of the sport. Is that the the sort of big area there where anyone could be anyone? Um, ideally, you'd want to eventually get to the point where those teams are then progressing up and getting into the top section or you know just sort of merging the midfield into the top and then you've got anyone could win it which would be lovely as a situation but um the fact that you've got so many teams there that are all competing at a very high level but with very different styles of dodgeball is really really nice to see it makes it a very interesting tournament you don't want a tournament that you can predict easily the ideal is that you know at some point two three years from now if you try to sit down and do a podcast like us idiots are trying to do and you made predictions you should be like 50 percent correct it should be just pure chance whether or not you get it correct because that that's the ideal that it really cannot be predicted and it's anyone's game and that that would be really exciting yeah on 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 the predictions uh for we're not women's. much better than are we <laughs> i mean so column on 60 60 percent accuracy for column 66 percent accuracy for zoe and i'm on 80 <laughs> percent yeah <laughs> Because you accidentally got Sweden right. I was going to say, right. if, we'd, like, if, if we'd done like each match, it would have been very different. Yeah, I mean, the, to- the uh, uh, yeah, we know in total that uh, myself and Zoe, we, we were on 64% and Zoe, you're on, uh, Colin, you're on 57 Like, we were a bit better than, a bit better than uh, a coin flip. Um, yeah, really you know, right. Which, yeah, like, it's... Um, no need for me to catch stress here, Nick. <laughs> You're not catching straight. You're on this podcast. I am addressing you. You're a shit predictor. Oh. <laughs> All right, you do okay. You do okay one time. You think that you're a great predictor. Jesus uh, Christ. I love you, buddy. Don't hate me. You um, were miles behind me and Zoe for the entirety of uh, British Dodgeball League. So oh, yeah, go but... suck a lemon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's bitter. Um, <laughs> okay. Very, well, the, um, the <laughs> we had our own predictions chart which i did um completely different predictions to what i did on this one because it was, that. <laughs> it was done like a month later we had a lot more information oh, yeah true actually that's um, fair. I'll give like, that one. i didn't do particularly well on that one either <laughs> i think yeah, I, let's I let's not, not record the podcast next time two months in advance <laughs> i did better yeah, than that definitely in the ass <laughs> i did better than that predictions than i did in this but if you compare my prediction quality to other people on the swiss team i think i didn't do particularly well i wasn't like the best i was i was somewhere fifth or sixth fair, so fair. there's someone else out there that you should bring onto the podcast i don't know who it is but it's not me <laughs> right so we're now hiring for a new substitute co-host <laughs> emily walker emily walker <laughs> <laughs> the real one uh, she <laughs> she knows she knows she's always welcome on this podcast if she ever wants to voice an opinion she has a seat at this table I think it's, um, I think it's part of the reason why she won't come on she knows yeah. how keen we are <laughs> oh. um, but yeah back to back to women's euros um one one question i i i do have i'd love to know is how uh, how the netherlands feel about finishing eighth um because they were so close to sweden in that game um to then to then ha- you know sort of how that sort of fell apart i genuinely think 
it's down to pure exhaustion. They were absolutely shattered with over half their team playing in mixed as well. And you could see, I'm pretty sure after their Northern Ireland game, they were they went straight on to a mixed game against Wales, which is, again, not easy. So I reckon they were absolutely shattered and I think they just need to balance out their team a bit better. Um, yeah, but I also look at that and I do think Czechia, Northern Ireland and Wales were better squads than them though. I'll, I'll, like, I'll be honest. Looking um, at that, I'm like, the people beneath them aren't worse than them drastically either. I wouldn't yeah. predict to lose against Netherlands. I wouldn't predict Switzerland to lose against that. We've always, we've always lost by exactly one set against the Netherlands. If we played this year, as I wouldn't have doubted that it would be a similar story. Like, it would be one of us wins by a single set. Like, it's what we were just saying. All the teams are really close. It kind of feels gutting to see some of them placed lower than they did in previous years, but someone has to place somewhere and ultimately if all the teams are kind of the same ability between fourth and 11th then that means someone ends up being 11th and it feels hard done by because they actually played fantastically well against a team much higher and like Colm said Ireland finished 14th and drew against third place like you could point to a lot of the different positions on that table and say oh does it feel a little bit unfair how did those teams feel about it um yeah and- yeah I guess I guess the thing is is you know I the point more is, you know, it's Wales. Like and... No, no, no. Because the same thing can be said for Wales, right? Like Wales lost to Italy by the finest of margins and still come seventh. Like they lose, like straight after um, that such sort of a close game, they got battered by Czechia. Nineteen nine was the final score there. So, um, I mean, they did go on to then do exactly the same to um, to, to the Netherlands, but. You know, Netherlands made it very close against uh, Northern Ireland, only, you know, two sets behind. But I, I think there is an interesting thing to look into in terms of how do you bounce back from a quarterfinal to know you've still got two placement games left. Like, it's... No one else has that. You know, like, other, other if, you, if you've won in the quarterfinal, fantastic. You've got top four. That's a really great achievement. If you lose, you've got to fight for fifth through eighth. And they like the difference between finishing fifth and the difference between finishing eighth is quite significant on that that final standings. Like, yeah, it, it is quite quite a drop off. So to try and get that get that mentality mentality back to to bring it back, like you know, Northern Ireland and Czechia couldn't do much against England and Austria, but Netherlands and Wales were really in it, and they they couldn't then perform afterwards. The only the only team that I think would quite a bit feel in disappointed for me would be Czechia because I I think they definitely should have been beating Sweden and come on top of that group in all honesty I, I think they showed it in pretty much every other game what what they had in their locker and I don't know I don't know what it was in that Sweden game that they just didn't show it as well it's like like you said like Czechia battered Northern Ireland. I just I I, I kind of I watched the bit I watched the bit of the game. I didn't watch the entirety of it, but I kind of sat there and went, I would love to have seen this um, in in a bit more in the Sweden game because I think I think it definitely showed more of what what they had. So he definitely wanted to jump in there and disagree. <laughs> well, first of all, they played against Wales. Yeah. Sorry, that's what I meant. My bad. Oh, I was no, no, say. it's the fifth, fifth, sixth playoff game. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay. I thought you were talking about the um, before that. I, I see where you're coming from. I do think Czechia is really good, but equally, having played 
both of those teams this year is I mm. fully see why Sweden ranked higher than Czechia. I think Sweden played incredibly fluid dodgeball a lot of the time and we're a very unified team by the time after that Croatia game. I don't know what happened in that Croatia game and that really set everyone else's heads spinning. But like after that point, they just seemed to kind of work a lot better as a unit. Whereas Czechia sometimes did and sometimes didn't. Sometimes they played really neat dodgeball and you're absolutely right to, yeah. to you know, praise them on that. They played some of the most beautiful, good dodgeball. Um, but equally, there were moments like when we were playing them where I was just sort of like, it's it's beautiful dodgeball, but it's not surprising. Um, it's There's nothing that they were Fair. doing that was sort of hard to predict. And so if you could read them, if you had a good enough team that could, I think anyone could have read Czechia, but if you had a team that was good enough to be able to capitalize on what you just read instead of just... Mm. Um, anguishing in it then then it was probably a, a really good you know really easy match to not easy match to win but an easier match to win whereas sweden it felt quite hard to read what they were doing at times and they felt like they were kind of shifting between phases of games a lot better so i don't i don't necessarily think czechia deserved to to win that game and i don't think they necessarily deserve no to win not the, deserves the wrong word but i would have i would have I, I definitely would have in a similar vein to nick with Austria and England, I would have said Czechia were the better team than Sweden overall. My opinion, anyway. Yeah, that's fair. I think, uh, yeah, it's really hard to say. I think it's a really good table. We're just going to yeah, have yeah. to have another competition to sort it out, aren't we? I think um, it'll be interesting. Oh, Nick can organise it. <laughs> Catching out uh, Sponsored Open coming soon. Um, sponsored? Yeah. No. <laughs> Uh, oh, sponsored by, <laughs> by the fact that none of us have any money. Um, the one thing I did want to sort of say before before we before we close out on this, um, Belgium have some real highlights to take away. I think the, in that three-way against um, Norway and Spain, they did really well um, in those games. They looked definitely the, the strongest team of the bunch. Um, they had some real bright sparks on that on those teams. I can't remember a name. I th- I want to say it's. Cuvelier, uh, I could be saying it wrong. Yeah. Um, oh, awesome. Um, she played <laughs> fantastically, um, both catching and um, just covering her entire team. Like she played so well. Um, so yeah, like it was really good because I was I was there doing the video for the Belgium Spain game um, while the Wales Italy game was on the other court, and it's just yeah, it really highlight, highlighted me the Belgium far more organised outfit. Um, looking a lot better and it's it's crazy that they're only you know two positions behind scotland um you know they there's still a way to go to to you know be being able to beat scotland i think but they are definitely really on the right tracks and um definitely have the talent there so uh, really excited to see where belgium go in the next few years um i definitely expect them to be climbing that that board for sure yeah i think belgium is just such an interesting team in general i've always found that such a a unique setup they've got over there and so i think it's a uh, yeah it will be interesting to see if they can get to the point where they they sort of start playing a very team-based game um i think they they just yeah i think they can be one of those teams that gradually progresses the tricky thing is everybody's gradually progressing at the moment and it's what i said to scotland have found tricky is that scotland haven't progressed in the same way that other people have um they have progressed but they haven't progressed as much and I think Belgium will continue to progress at least at the same pace as everyone else. But to keep, to climb higher in the table, they have to progress faster than everyone else. And that would be the tricky thing for them is can they actually get that little leg up where they start getting better quicker than other people? Um, and I don't really know how you do that because that's the same problem that Switzerland's had. Switzerland somehow 
you know, we've managed to climb from 12th to 10th, but it's not like a gigantic leap. Um, the, the big leap is to make it from 10th to 8th, you know, to stop being the, the best of the losers and start being the worst of the winners. Um, so I think it, it's interesting to see how people kind of adapt and, and while everyone will progress in the space of time that we've got now between this and world champs and also between this and uh, the Irish Euros in two years' time, like ultimately you just have to progress better than everyone else. Um, you, it's, not, it's not a matter of progressing, it's a matter of being sort of progressing. I think it's difficult as well, though, because because it's national systems that are being set up, it's a voluntary sport, there are only so many times we can come together to play other international yeah. teams. There are going to have to be Euros where we see teams rebuild, um, where new players are coming in, old players are coming out, whether they're going into coaching or whatever. And because of the nature of lots of teams being at different levels and abilities, um, I would say Scotland are in a rebuilding phase at the moment. I think that's what we saw. They were in a position where... Okay. A few people had stepped away, um, new players were coming in, the coaching was still there, the experience was still there, don't get me wrong, they've all got all that experience, but because of their having to rebuild and how brutal that mid-table is, it makes a huge difference to your standings in the, in the end. So, um, yeah, I, you know, to, to go from 12th to 10th is a big win, like don't, you know, don't deny yourself that because everyone has to... There's more teams as well, that's, yeah. that's the other thing consider there's it's not just that you've come 10th from the top it's that you've come more spaces from the bottom than you did previously yeah no it's really yeah so it'll be interesting to see how it uh plays out at worlds um you know we've now got 17 uh positions in which somehow the rest of the world have to fit into um you know some are going to be 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 tumbling and some people might go up because they might find themselves um buoyed by wins elsewhere so yeah it'll be really interesting to see how uh, different teams come along and especially from what we've heard of uh, certain nations really enjoying cloth um, because of the type of ball game it is compared to to foam um, it'll be really interesting to see how how that sticks and, and which nations really come out swinging and really fight for that top three and um, other nations that you know maybe would be a bit more relaxed but yeah um, on that note We'll round up this episode. Uh, thank you again for, for listening on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please give us a like and a subscribe. We're so close to 200 um, subscribers. We'd really love to pass that uh, milestone. Um, all your support is appreciated. Please let us know any of your thoughts. Leave a comment. Uh, message us if you've got uh, anything that you want us to be aware of, whether it's international dodgeball, local dodgeball, whatever's going on. If it's dodgeball in general, we're all excited about it. So, uh, yeah, let us know. Um, and see you in the next episode. There are three others to watch on Euros. How mad's that? Way too many. <laughs> well, there's, I mean, there's three from us. There's another four out there as well. You've got eight episodes of Dodgeball, uh, Euros Dodgeball content to listen to. <laughs> yeah. I'll tide you And as we are recording this in December now, Merry Christmas. Enjoy. Merry Christmas. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Until next time. Bye.